second pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select Mitchell Trubisky, quarterback, well, North Carolina. Hello. It's going it's to be a perfect fit. I'm very happy to be here in Chicago. Yeah, I really enjoy the coaching staff and my time with them, and I just can't wait to get to work. Bears Hour Live with host Lauren Cox and the draft talk Phil Atoshin. Hello and welcome to Bears Hour Live. We're back on a Sunday afternoon, as we always say. It's not Sunday without Chicago Bears football, so we're hopefully we're hopefully going to be able to help you get your little fix of it this weekend, as always. I'm joined by my co-host, Draft Dr. Phil Atoshin. Phil, five picks in the draft. Ryan Pace really kind of made his mark and said, you know what, I don't care what you think. I don't care what anyone else thinks. I'm going to pick the players that I think are going to be most successful. And he's <laughs> the, the, uh, the mainstream and even local media reaction is about what you would expect. There's a a pretty strong anti-Chicago Bears feel right now. There's a lot of negative draft grades, a lot of opinions being put out there that this was a a, a real downtime. Some some opinions that Ryan this might be Ryan Pace's last draft because of the players he taken. I mean, really throwing this entire coach, this entire scouting department under the bus for Trubisky, Shaheen, Eddie Jackson, uh, Tariq Cohen, and Jordan Morgan. I mean, what's what's your response, and I, and I guess what's your feeling about this draft class as a whole? Oh, there's a lot of executives talking, so you know what that means. They're not doing what they should be doing and worrying about their their teams. And when you get an executive decision across a team-based uh, sports league, that tends to just be bullying effect. So <laughs> I honestly could give two shits about what an executive private, if you put your name to it, then I'll respect you for it. But the Matt Millers, and, and let, we've talked about Matt Miller before, you know, he's a, he glorified came into a position at Bleacher Report when it was just an infant's in its infancy and now all of a sudden he's a, a, a draft guru expert when we've caught him several times manipulating the truth and being fraudulent. I've said it to him. I look at his executives talking to him before the draft about his board. I mean, that executive should be fired. All these executives, he continues to quote him and Jason, one-eyed Willie Lacanfora, seem to have a, a – and it's – Picking up steam. It's this is exactly what I'm I've talked about with you, Lauren, when it came to Jay Cutler. Now they've crucified that kid. Now he's out of the league. We said he didn't help himself, but really ultimately, in fairness, you you looked at the situation in Chicago, and now we talked about Ryan Pace going up and getting his guy, something that's been reported that He's made this decision long ago that they like this football player in Trubisky, I'm talking, and they got their franchise player. Brian Perez came on, talked about it. He was talking about 72 hours before the draft started. The Cleveland Browns were in limbo of who they were going to select, Miles uh, Garrett or Trubisky. Now, all of a sudden, that didn't happen. The Jets love Trubisky. 
The Bills love Trubisky. The Arizona Cardinals love Trubisky. All these teams that needed and traded up, the Houston Texans love Trubisky. Now, all of a sudden, that goes by the wayside because it's Chicago and people have an axe to grind with Ryan Pace. I'm not the biggest Pace supporter. You you know how I felt about going up for Leonard Floyd. In this case, this is the quarterback position. I said, have conviction. Get your guy. What's going on in this narrative media world right now is disgusting in my mind because they haven't played a damn down yet. We had football guys that I respect, coaches that have coached against some of the players that have been drafted by the Bears, come out and tell me what a great pick that is, people will end up seeing. And and ultimately, when we look at the tape, uh, for Sheehan, for example, people think he's a reach. Well, Daniel Jeremiah, several other people, uh, Peter King, and others were saying how this kid's going to be taken in the second round. That's exactly where he went, Lauren. So because there's polarization of picks that look at that for a second, Lauren, when the narration was Ryan Pace got fleeced for those picks, when you took a step back and you saw what he gave up and then was able to recoup, it was only a third round pick. Now, all of a sudden, that's not the narrative. Now the narrative is Mitch Trubisky isn't a leader. Uh, Heath Evans going on there, fullback who's who's run too many Bob plays. All of a sudden, he's an expert on quarterback plays. It, it's almost to the point where it's comical. We can have differences of opinion, and I agree with that. I've said where Mitch Trubisky lied on my board. He was your number two ranked quarterback, Lauren. I think this whole fallout is something, hey, the GM put his finger, his stamp on these picks. Good, bad, or indifferent. The relationship with John Fox, we all said, should have been ended after last season. And a new quarterback should have been hired. If there's uh, agitation between the two, then and he doesn't want to share with John Fox, the quarterback, for fear it gets leaked to make what he would have to trade even more, then that's what you do. I'm sorry. That's poker. That that whole offseason of rumors and everything. Adam Schefter, uh, Ian Rappaport were shocked when the draft pick came out, Mitch Trubisky, just like me and you were, Lauren. So if anybody's saying they knew it, other than Ryan Pace and his allies, whoever they may be, then they're lying because – Watch it. It's caught, captured on television. They all were in shock. So that's how quiet is kept. They kept it. And and then the truth came out, Lauren, that they had gone down there, worked this kid out privately, took him out for dinner, and really were in unison in the pick. So I think the fear and, and the hate mongers, we've gone through this before, and you've come out with Cody White here. You've come out with Jordan Howard. People didn't like those picks last year. Let these players play the game before we start giving grades. That's another thing let's get into because that's the biggest hogwash ever. The You know, Mel Kuyper, I love him. He started this game. 
But really, ultimately, when he came out and said he'd walk off the set, he quit doing this if Jimmy Clausen wasn't a, a success. You know, all these stories, we're never, no one's ever always right. So for me, I'm just going to go by my eyes, my thinking, and the relationships that I have with people that I respect, you included, Lauren, and think that we need to tap the brakes and really let this play out where it's most important and where the most evaluation will transpire, and that's on the football field, Lauren. Yeah, I, I, all I can think of when you were talking is that if the Cleveland Browns had taken Mitch Trubisky number one, or if the San Francisco 49ers had stayed at two and taken him, would there be all this criticism of, wow, they reached on their quarterback and... I mean, there's certainly some people that didn't have Trubisky ranked number one in there. I mean, none of us did, and it's not that we are advocating that he was the best quarterback in this draft, but I think the mainstream draft community, which mostly had Mitch Trubisky as the number one quarterback in this draft, would have been fine with the Browns taking him one and the, or the 49ers taking him two and would have said, well, they're getting their franchise quarterback and, and they're putting their banks on him, and they'd kind of be like what we're saying about Trubisky, where, you know, we're not we're not praising them for making the smart choice here, but we're going to... We're going to wait and see how this pick plays out, and we're going to see what they have and if they were right about this quarterback. And that just hasn't been the case for most of the media with with Trubisky and the Bears, all because they swapped one pick to move up to get him. I mean, it doesn't seem to really make sense from from an objective standpoint. I mean, it's one thing, like like I said, it's one thing to not have viewed Trubisky very high in the pre-draft process. I totally get that. That's a little bit where we're at more you than me, and, and, and that's fine, but that's not a reason to say oh, the Bears get an F for drafting him. I mean, first of all, draft grades the day after it happened is, is one of the stupidest things in the world. I think it's it's more of a, how well did my draft board do compared to the real NFL? And the, the F grade ends up going to your draft board, not not the NFL team that chose this player higher than you would have. I don't think... The other part of that, too, is a lot of it is people grade the drafts based on needs. And Ryan Pace isn't drafting for needs. I mean, quarterback, you could argue is drafting for needs, but he probably would say Mitch Trubisky was his number one player in this draft and is the best player available. That's why they went and got him. But they're not taking Adam Shaheen in the second round because we needed a tight end and he was the he was the tight end, the best tight end on our board. They took Shaheen because he was legitimately the best player available on Ryan Pace's board. And I think the same goes with guys like Eddie Jackson and Tariq Cohen. So when the, the mainstream draft analysts that haven't watched a lick of Chicago Bears football look over their class and say, oh, well, they didn't draft a corner, they got a safety in the fourth round who's injured. Uh, they didn't get a replacement for Alshon Jeffrey at wide receiver. And maybe they got a quarterback I wasn't super high on. All of a sudden, they're looking at it from a positional standpoint and a team need standpoint and grading it that way when that's not what Ryan Pace was doing whatsoever. And I think that's what's so silly about this is that he Ryan Pace felt like he's in a position to just take the highest graded players on their board. And that's what they did. And so if that doesn't fit the team needs, it, it can be a little bit of a head scratcher. But he's banking on his ability to see how these prospects play out. And that that's not something you grade the day after the draft. You know, draft grades, just like I tweeted out, are as, as, as valuable as you telling me how many wins the Bears are going to have next year. Nobody knows that. I mean, that's an absolute joke. And let's face it, I, I've been embarrassed. And I think one of my Twitter guys said this well. I was embarrassed as a Bears fan, to see the reaction and the pitchforks. Now, who's more critical and more honest than I am out there on this show? Who's better than me? No, not even that. I, who's I know. Who's going to say it? 
<laughs> I, I'm not afraid to say it. Either it was on the, the doctor's office, uh, the Daily Dose at Bears Bar. I'll tell you exactly how it is, and that'll be, you know, from my perspective. And I will tell you the truth and then leave it at that. And I think you do the same thing. You just do it in a more subtle way. Let's just say that. And, and I think in this case, I was embarrassed to be a Bears fan by the reaction of the fan base over this past weekend. Booing Mike Glennon at a Cubs game, booing Mitch Trubisky, and now falling victim to a narrative again. I said, let's face it, you, you ran Jay Cutler to the ground on and off the football field for eight years. You finally got your quarterback. He's so talented and yada, yada, yada. You ran him to the ground. Chicago has become an easy target to manipulate fans and a fan base. And I'm asking fans that listen, I could care. I've, I've not asked for one goddamn follower on Twitter or anywhere. I appreciate all of them that do. But that being said, I'm not in this to make friends. I'm in this to speak the God's honest truth. And it's absolutely disgusting how quick and easily you've turned. We've had a guy who was a Bears fan for 30 years come out and take a picture of himself with a Raiders uh, gear on. You talk about class, please don't even talk to anybody. I think that's the kind of showcase I've given up my fandom card. And, and, and it's just sad to me. You could disagree with the GM all you want. I've done it for a long time. And I respect Greg Gabriel. We don't see eye to eye on every pick, on every player that was selected. But you got to respect the process and let them put the pads on. I mean, wow. I mean, it's come to that. For this fan base, Lauren, I think it's disgusting. And and the guy and those little dregs in the crowd, the the Matt Millers, the Ian Rappaport, I'm mean, excuse me, the Jason Lockaforas, the Heath Millers, and there's Stephen A. Smith, Michael Wilbon, all those guys clumped up. Guess what their job is? To drum up fan sheep based fandom. And get you ag agitated and create more clicks and more frustration because you're going to watch it and you're going to believe it. And that's unfortunate. And that's what we're trying to not do here is trying to give you the truth. And the truth is I've talked to two coaches, one of which that's coached against Sheehan. Sheehan. And he spoke so highly of that football player and, and had a, coached on the 1A level. So he had experience at a big-time program at Syracuse, and he was clear in his admission towards that football player, not only being a easy NFL starter, he thought he had Pro Bowl ability and potential. And that's what the draft is, Lauren. It's drafting potential. How many first overall picks have failed? How many first overall picks have failed? Hundreds. So you're you're really looking at an, an inexact science that now has brought in uh, mathematical equations and capologists and 
and statistical fanatics and mathematicians now trying to come up with some scientific code to measure players, traits, heart, passion for the game. It, it just will never get to that point. There's luck involved in this, folks. And unfortunately, you want to find players that have a great floor and a high ceiling, but it's not always the case. Sometimes you got to have to go reach in the depths. And you know what, Lauren? I said this to you off the phone the other day. The greatest football player that ever played in my eyes came from a 1AA school, and that's Jackson State and Walter Payton. And if you want to argue with me and say Jerry Rice, he came from a Mississippi uh, Valley State, another small school. So they can come from anywhere to give you great plays and great players. It's in their heart, in their minds, in their passion for the game. We had experts coming on here speaking at the moment in, in uh, Emory Hunt, Brian Perez, we've had Shane Marshall come on, Jose Cotos come on. We've had opinions all across the board, and really ultimately all that matters is when that whistle blows and the games are played, we'll see what transpires. But the people that I talk to, the football people only, they're not media-led or have any ill will towards the Bears have spoken so highly of not only Mitchell Trubisky, but a, a, uh, Eddie Eddie Jackson pick. If that kid didn't get hurt, what kind of football player he is, and and a turnover machine who's got great range, great speed, and and a willingness to tackle. He's not a polished tackler, but he's got a willingness. And I'll work with willing. I will not work with lazy and and guys that loaf. So, Lauren, I think Ryan Pace went to himself and said, I'm going to change the culture here. I'm going to draft offense. I'm going to get my safety in the third round, but I'm really going to build around the offense. And if we looked at it realistically, when he came on and and made his final presser, he basically said that. We hit a lot of players in the defensive backfield through free agency. We filled a lot of needs. And we ended up going and building on the offensive side of the football. And really, ultimately, it's an offensive league. Let's face it. It's a quarterback-driven league. So you need one to get in the game. You turn the page on Jay Cutler. Now you got Mitchell Trubisky. None of us were sold. Me and you, that's per se, on Mike Lennon. I'm happy they swung for the fences and took a quarterback Granted, I wanted Deshaun Watson. Everyone knows that. And if you don't, that was my play. I've been wrong plenty before. And hopefully I'm wrong again here with Mitchell Trubisky. But, Lauren, is there any questioning the traits? You worked You worked for BFF. He was clearly their number one ranked quarterback. Talk about why. Talk about you had him as your second quarterback. And I know it's a polarizing pick. But really, I think the football player has handled not only the presser well, but himself well as he's turned the page and become and totally thrown himself in to being a Chicago Bear. Yeah, I, I really was impressed by his press conference. And, you know, not that I'm, I'm giving this guy a ton of credit and ultimately, like, coming all around on this guy just because of a press conference. But he certainly did everything right and, and didn't do anything wrong there, answered questions very confidently and, and calmly and 
seem to be able to say all the right things and everything you want to hear a, a young rookie quarterback say when he's coming into the situation that he's coming into. But as far as him as a prospect, I mean, I'm really just impressed with his mechanics. Even even after only 13 games, he's got very consistent footwork in my mind. His release is a little bit iffy, and especially on those deep throws, he'll come up off his foot a little bit and do a little bit of that hop skip a little that can cause those passes to sail or sometimes go a little bit awry in one direction or another but it's not the kind of thing that has led to a lot of interceptions or extremely risky throws I mean he only had six last year and 10 over his three years as well his three years in college but he he just seems to get and and see the field really well especially on those underneath throws and not not in a in a check down Charlie Brian Hoyer type way but more in the ability to to sort of read the underneath coverage underneath the safety he's not a guy that in the North Carolina offense was challenging safeties deep all the time although he did have receivers that could go downfield and get it you know Bug Howard and and Matt Collins were some of his favorite targets throwing down the field he had a lot of help from his some from talented wide receivers but they also dropped some passes and and didn't always bail him out the way that some other receivers have I mean as far as uh, drop rate I think uh, or as far as yards in the air I know uh, Aldo I think was asking me about this the other day uh, I think he was like third or, or second among the the top four quarterbacks in yards in the air. I think you know guys like Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson had more yards after the catch as a percentage of their total yards. So like I think Trubisky was like fifty five percent of his yards came in the air, and Watson was like fifty, and Mahomes was like forty five or something like that. So it's not as though his receivers were doing all of the work, especially when compared to the rest of his class. But I just really think. He can he can hit anywhere you know twenty yards and under. I think he's just so solid from an accuracy standpoint when he stands in the pocket and is able to deliver. And he's just a, he's very very mobile. And I think people get caught up in in Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes and even Deshaun Kaiser with the way that they were able to move the ball with their legs. But at the combine, Deshaun or uh, Mitch Trubisky was like a, a hundredth of a second slower in the forty than Watson and faster than Kaiser and uh, and Mahomes. And then same thing in the short shuttle and in the uh, in the three cone, he was the fastest of the four quarterbacks there. And I think just because he wasn't used as much as a runner and, and asked to run downfield, I mean, he was much more of a guy that when he's under pressure, he's not going to make the decision to take off and scramble. He's going to reset his feet and fire the ball downfield instead of taking off to pick up the yards that a guy like Deshaun Kaiser or more of a uh, more of a Patrick Mahomes would do, and, and and I think Trubisky gets a lot of credit for that, but it doesn't necessarily come back and reflect in how he's seen as a as a mobile quarterback, despite his ability to move so well. But we've got our we've got a caller on the line here, Phil, and I want to bring him in. A caller, we've been talking about Mitch Trubisky, but what what are your thoughts about the Bears draft on the whole? Um, you know, I, it was interesting. Obviously, I mean, it's been panned in some quarters. I mean, it's it's one of these things that's going to be. Uh, it seems like it's going to be feast or famine, primarily on Trubisky. Um, I think Jackson makes a ton of sense, and Shaheen's definitely interesting. But I mean, it, it fits with Pace's pattern of clearly going with high upside guys. Um, one one thing I'm curious about, I guess, one, one specific draftee, and then the the broader implications are with Morgan. Um, do you really think, is he going to end up at guard? And, and if that's the case, uh, what are some possible knockout effects there as far as the Bears at tackle? Because, I mean, I, you know, there, obviously a lot of people feel like they could have upgraded from Leno and or Massey, and the only thing they really did was go out and get Compton. So um, assuming that they're sticking with those guys as starters, um, they're looking thin <laughs> there. And, and does that maybe mean that they're considering – bumping either, yeah. you know, probably more likely long or maybe even white hair off the tackle at some point. 
Well, and before we answer, I, caller, I never got your name and where are you calling from? Oh, I'm sorry, Matt calling from Chicago. Oh, gotcha. Phil, do you want to answer that? Of course, because it's right down the middle and I hit it out of the park every time we talk about this. <laughs> You're the best there is, isn't it, aren't you, Phil? <laughs> I don't think you could get any better than this question, Lauren. And it's it's clear to me they're going to play their best five. There was a sense of double talk prior to the draft and, and signing of Compton about are you going to play your best five and could Kyle Long move to tackle? We know the football player himself feels more confident or is comfortable inside, Matt. Mike? Matt. So... Man. That led them to keep him and move him back. I've put up a lot of film in showcasing him against not only the best pass rushers in football, but continually play after play, dominating them in a way a bully does at the playground. So it's like ass backwards. When I talk to one Division One A coach who coaches in the Big Ten about the offensive lineman Kyle Long, he had to laugh and crack up and say the fact that they're playing him at guard, and I'm paraphrasing his quote, showcases the kind of coaching staff they have because that guy could play at any either tackle and be dominant for the next 10, 15 years. That's what I see, Matt. And now you've you've added somebody who I know Emery Hunt had him in the second-ranked guard in the whole draft. Uh, the Bears had him down at the Senior Bowl. The kid is an immense athlete, athletic talent. Jose Cotto and myself considered him one of the top sleepers in this draft. Now the Bears get this guy in their with their last pick in the fifth round. This kid, I thought, was a third-round talent. That's where you like to take guards. I would try him at tackle, like I said. But really, ultimately, now you've got young talent, including Cush, interior speaking. You got Honronis Grasso coming back, Cody Whitehair. The interior talent on this football team is tremendous. There is no excuse now unless you're listening to John Fox. I don't know who's running the show right now. Clear there's uh, head butting in regards to, the, I know they're playing nice, but for the television but really ultimately i'm hearing what everybody else is hearing so i think a move to for kyle long <coughs> excuse me out to left tackle or right tackle either of the edges you know is the move to make now and and let the fan base swallow that and understand the immense impact a left tackle has on the football team and I think one one point I want to make about this draft pick is I don't think Ryan Pace, and I'm not saying you were saying this at all, but I just, I'm just putting this out there. I don't think Ryan Pace went into the weekend or even into day three or even into the fifth round saying, I want to draft a guard so I can put Kyle Long to left tackle or right tackle. I think I don't think he even drafted Jordan Morgan with any particular intention. I think he got on the clock in the fifth round and said, okay, here's my draft board. Who do I have the highest grade on? This offensive lineman. We're taking him. And it wasn't this this longer thing about, oh, well, wait, well, how many guards do we have? How many tackles do we have? Should we not take a guard? I think it was legitimately 
this is our highest graded player on the board, regardless of position, and we're going to take him. And you know what? We'll figure it out later. Maybe we cut Eric Cush because of this, even though we like Eric Cush. Maybe we cut Hronis Grassu later because of this. Even maybe maybe we trade Hronis Grassu, but I don't think any of that came through Ryan Pace's mind. I mean, it, I mean, maybe it crossed his mind, but it impacted this decision to draft this player whatsoever. I, I view this as purely a best player available. It's the fifth round. Let's take a guy that we think can be a starter. Even if we have starters already at that position, we don't really care. We just want to get a guy that we are confident in and that we think can be more than a fifth-round pick sometime down the line. And I think that's what they did here. I don't think there was this... I don't think there was any kind of motive behind it as far as what you already had on the roster. I think this was purely a talent acquisition move about adding the right, best right. Young player possible. Isn't that the job, per se, to do that and ultimately say... And, and this is what I really want to... You win up front on both sides of the football. The quarterback is the matriarch and everything else is about the fronts. So uh, the Phil, guy got his... The matriarch yes. is, the, is the female. The patriarch is the male. Oh, patriarch. Excuse me. <laughs> well, hopefully he isn't our matriarch. Anymore. Mama Trubisky is going to make pa- everything okay. <laughs> the patriarch of the family is the quarterback. There you go. Lauren... <laughs> award-winning journalist Lauren Cox. Get yeah, oh yeah. There. But Matt, I want to so, I want to ask what one thing to you. A lot of people have said that they don't like this Bears draft and that they're they're struggling to feel confident in it. Where where do you land as far as this draft class as a whole, in your opinion? Uh, I, I would say mixed. I mean, I, I I am firmly in your camp in that I think that they needed needed to make a bold move at quarterback, and it's just it's impossible. It's a futile exercise to try to figure out whether they overpaid or whether there were legit other offers. But Trubisky to me seems. I mean, I, I watched a handful of games last year. I watched the uh, the game against Stanford. Um, he shows a lot of those Big Ben, Roger. I mean, I'm not saying he's at that level, obviously, but th- those sort of characteristics um, in terms of mobility in the pocket and just overall athleticism. That you kind of need in the modern game. So I, I'm definitely a big fan of that. I just feel, and maybe I'm being kind of a meathead here, that, that just given some of the other glaring roster holes, that even a guy like Cohen, who may be a great player, um, was maybe a bit of an extravagance at this point. Um, you know, in round four, could you have popped another pretty decent cornerback? Sure, there were other edge rushers out there. I mean, it was, I think, the kid from Kansas State, for example, I'm not saying him specifically, but guys, talents at that level um were were out there i i just and again i understand pace is a big best player available guy and i think that's certainly critical in the first couple rounds um but when you still have um as many roster holes because let's be frank they get they they brought in a lot of quantity in free agency but i don't think the quote-unquote quality was maybe what we were expecting and that's not necessarily a fault of his i mean you're you're the gm of a three and 13 team in a real, you know, in a cold weather city right now in, in a franchise that's been struggling for a while. So it's, it's not like shooting fish in a barrel. So um, that, that's my only gripe on the front end. I, I think that Shaheen and, and Trubisky were probably the best guys on this board or, or certainly in, in the case of Trubisky really filled the glaring need. So um, I, I'm happy there. I just think as, as we went a little further along, um, it would have been nice to chip away at some of the, uh, you know, the glaring. And there's a lot of roster holes, but some, some of which are a little more glaring than others. Well, a lot of times, you obviously, you can't fill all the roster holes. We talk about the importance of positioning. You look at Jordan Howard, just to talk about Tarek Cohen. You look at Jordan Howard, 
you look at the backups, Kadeem has been injured. I love the football player. I love his passion and fire and talent. But he's, he hasn't been healthy enough to be that number two yet. To say he's not, I'm not going to say that right now. But I am going to point out the truth. And the truth is he just hasn't been on the football field to do it. Langford took a precipitous step backwards. He also got banged up a lot uh, and showcased uh, a, a regression in year two. And then you got Jordan Howard, who's going to be entering year two. And, and, and being a 235, 240-pound dynamo at tailback, you're going to need a breather. And you're going to need someone who, who can transition differently on the football field. I look at this pick. And I feel as though in talking to Emery Hunt and, and others, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles were, were fired up beyond belief because they really pegged that kid to be the heir apparent to Sproles over on their roster. Now, if you're getting a guy like Sproles in Chicago, who, quite frankly, guys, I compared him to Woodhead, similar kind of st- statue in your offensive system status, rather. That kind of transformation football player on third downs and series that can catch the football and can take it the distance and create big plays, you don't normally find those guys in the fourth round because there is a bias, a small school bias sometimes. They fall. And let's face it, I think that was a necessity for the Chicago Bears to have players that are going to flip the field. I talked about making an argument that I could pick if you're Mike Glennon was your guy a hundred percent and that's how you were rolling and none of these quarterbacks did it for you. I could have made an art argument for uh, OJ Howard at three because of what he would bring to the table. Here you come back in the round two, you take a big tight end who becomes the quarterback's best friend. Now you add him with a six foot five, 267 pound uh, uh, Sims and the two of them can work those seams and pressure those safeties and linebackers to get them the hell out there. And then you got a little water bug behind that that's running routes against linebackers and they can't cover them. And you're getting and big, creating big plays and helping your offense and your quarterback out. That's how I look at football. I don't look at names all the time. How is this kid going to fit on Sundays? He's electric. Uh, with the ball in his hand, you know, uh, Jabril Peppers, to me, is electric with the ball in his hand. Tarek Cohen was right there with him as far as ball-in-the-hand electricity. You know, a lot of people love the kid from Adoree Jackson from USC. I think this kid's more explosive with the football in his hand. That's why I think they took him. I think they're looking to, to flip fields, flip field position. This team was slow, guys. This team was slow, slow, slow. This kid brings speed to the offensive side of the football from the running back position. He runs angry for a little guy. He's a mighty mouse to me, and I like that kind of football player. So I love that pick. I think, like I said this morning, by week four of the preseason, there's going to be a line out the pro, uh, pro center at Soldier Field to get Sheehan's jersey because I think he's going to end up being a fan favorite and then the Tarek Cohen fan club is going to be starting shortly after that because I think these players offensively 
come into a football team that needs playmakers desperately. Kevin White, you don't know, Lauren. Uh, Cam Meredith coming after one season. How much do you know about him? Alshon Jeffrey left. Daniel Braverman was injured all year playing on a bum knee. Didn't get an opportunity. Now he's coming back. You got these young football players. The tide is changing here. I think Ryan Pace is holding a lot of cards. It's going to take a lot, take on a lot of water of criticism because these weren't name players. But for the draft guys and the tape studiers, these players, I think, are going to end up doing a lot more than people think. And if you have conviction in a GM, then I think you're winning if you have a GM that's worried about the outside noise and what Matt Miller is going to rank this as, then you've got a losing organization. And no wonder why the Cleveland Browns and the San Francisco 49ers and the Jacksonville Jaguars continue to pick up high in the top five. It's because I think there's been a lot of noise about what is supposed to be the best as opposed to what you think is the best. And I applaud Ryan Pace for pushing back and really doing what he thought was his due diligence for this football team. Yeah, and somewhere along there, we lost Matt on the line. But I, I as much as I like the Cohen pick, and I, I agree with you there, that he does fill a need for a, some electric speed, a playmaker out of the backfield. Although, I don't know if necessarily running back, especially with a guy like Benny Cunningham added in there, I can see where, I can see both sides of that argument, especially if, I, if I'm looking at my draft board in the fourth round there, like he mentioned, you got you got to like, like Cohen, Pretty, you have to think Pace had him pretty high on his board there. But how much higher on your board is Cohen than a, a Chris Wormley, uh, a Carl Lawson? These these other guys that felt like day two picks, potentially second round guys, even borderline first round guys. Jordan Willis, like you mentioned, I mean, even Dietrich Weiss, that maybe would fill a bigger need. Not that not that Cohen doesn't fill the need, but a, a place on this roster where. You, you can get away with the running backs that you have right now. And, and you can get away with the edge rushers that you have and the defensive linemen you have. I'm not saying that, but uh, perhaps uh, the bigger need on this team would be another five-technique defensive end prospect or another outside linebacker with Pernell McPhee banged up and, and Lamar Houston coming off of the ACL injury. And, I mean, it's not, that, it's not that that makes Cohen a bad pick, and I don't think Matt was trying to say I mean, that. At all I, don't, I don't think Wormley was on the board. He he was. Let me just double check. I was just looking. Double through. check that because I would have been all amped up for him to be picked in the fourth round. Oh, it was Ryan Glasgow. I, I was, was thinking of not not Chris Wormley, the yeah. other Michigan guy. Glasgow was who Please, I was thinking of. Because if Wormley was on the board, yes, I would totally stand strong with you and say that kid, I believe, was a guy the Bears needed to get. I thought he had immense talent to play the five technique kind of sacrifice for the University of Michigan to play in their system and sacrifice his strengths as a player. But, you know, he, he wasn't there. So, I mean, I would have to go back and look at the time. I really was a big fan of Desmond King and getting that football player. He obviously went later and, you know, they had their board differently. I'm, I'm totally understand and we talked yesterday with brian perez prior to those rounds lauren and what did i said i what do you think about a running back here they continue to draft running backs at four round four and five this is what the third year in a row they've done it now fourth yep. year in a row every year with so so you're looking at a position that got an electric football player a kid 
who doesn't fill the rational size, and size is not a trait to, to some people, is not a skill, rather. Size is not a skill uh, to people. So as a small guy who played the position himself, I understand what Emery Hunt was saying in this football player. He can take it to the house when he touches the ball. When you look at Tarek Hill in Kansas City and, and his stature, are you afraid? Would you like that kind of football player on your football team? I mean, if this kid, and he has the hands to play receiver, to go out there and give you plays in the slot, and he has the toughness to break tackles and make plays. Let's see how this plays out. I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm going to put my reputation on the line right here, right now, and say I think a lot of fans come the fall, are going to really look back at Tarek Cohen and say, wow, thank God Ryan Pace got that kid. Um, and I know, uh, I know you're a big fan of Cohen, so I'm not, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to get you to come back on that, but I just want to put this out there that if you were general manager and you're picking there with that second, fourth run pick, you're taking KZ or King over Cohen, aren't you, DeMonte KZ? I would have taken um, King, yes. Would you have but taken Casey? I would have taken King. I would have taken Cohen over Casey, and I love Casey. If you're ranking them now, yeah, I'm looking at them now, and I'm being perfectly honest with you. I I felt like there is a need. There's a lot of question marks when it comes to Jeremy Langford. A lot of question marks when it comes to Kadeem Carey, uh, Benny Cunningham. I, did he do anything for me? No. Okay, role player, what have you. This kid is lightning in a bottle on the human joystick. I'm telling you right now, if the Philadelphia Eagles had selected this football player like they had wanted to, this would have been talked about as the pick of the second day because that's how ESPN rolls. You know, they couldn't get enough of Philadelphia <laughs> at the draft, Lawrence. So, we know that that bias is real because we cover this football team night and day, and we see the discrepancies in how they cover and speak about the Chicago Bears. So I just think the Cohen really, really, really is going to bring a level of play to this team and a level of excitement to this football team. As a returner in the slot, as uh, a tailback, He's going to give you multiple facets to your offense. And that kind of versatility is what Ryan Pace drafts. I mean, let's face it, that high ceiling football player. And this kid is a lightning bug, a water bug on the football field. And, and I, I didn't realize until I, I looked more closely, but both KZ and King were there on the board when the Bears picked in the fifth round too. So they, they had opportunities to add defensive backs with a lot of picks and they and they chose not to and ultimately that's that's Ryan Pace sticking to his board and not not bending towards need. Now, I want to bring in our next caller here as we move the show along. Uh, a caller, uh, what's your name and where are you calling from? My name is Ryan Pace. I'm the general manager of the Chicago Bears. <laughs> I'm from a bar in the alley of a bar. No, it's Aldo Gandia. How are you guys doing? <laughs> there he is. Cheers. Is this your first time, Aldo? just came in. 
yeah, this is the first time on the show, and I listen to you guys regularly. Love what you guys are doing. This is Breakthrough Radio, and uh, it's it's one of the best things uh, I've listened to in a long, long time. So congratulations on all your hard work here, and thank you again for all of your assistance in helping Bears Barroom Radio and and, and BearsBarroom.com. Listen, guys, a quick uh, opinion on this on this draft. Uh, you know, as a Bears fan and as a Bears uh, critic analyst, I can't help but think about that this is very similar to when my daughter, who was then 19, called me up and said, Dad, I'm going to get a tattoo. Part of <laughs> me is saying, what the f- are you doing? And the other part of me wants to be very supportive. So that's where I am at with this draft. I think that there's a lot of things that I would have preferred uh, Ryan Pace would have done, but I'm hopeful that some of these young players are going to work out. And then one other quick point at the beginning of our draft week podcast series in episode number two, at the very, very, very beginning of the show, Lauren Cox says that free agency was for John Fox and the draft is for Ryan Pace and that the player he predicted that the players he will draft will be for 2018-2019 out of all the astute things that have been shared by you guys and Shane Marsaw and, and Jose Cotto and everyone else that's been on your show and and, and otherwise I, I think that's one of the ones that really rang a bell with me so uh, very prescient and and that's what we're going to have to wait for this is a true Theo Epstein type rebuild well, it absolutely is, and credit to award-winning writer Lauren Cox Jesus. for knocking another one out of the park. This guy, I tell you, not only does he get the women, but he gets it right <laughs> in the draft room. <laughs> you know, yeah, by the way, the tattoo that my daughter got was the name of Lauren with the international stop signal on it. Although, <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to I play a game with you based, based on that two tattoo comment. I want to know... Which which pick in this draft is is the tramp stamp, and which which pick in this draft is the is the nice little sunshine tattoo on the foot that you know no one really sees, but it's a nice little piece of artwork. Well, I I, I really love Adam Shaheen. I had learned about him about two or three months ago and saw some of the tape, and of course, it's a man playing against boys. But you nevertheless look at the metrics, the size, the speed, and you get to hear the guy in interviews. He does sound like a baby Gronk. I think this guy could develop into a, a, a tattoo you're going to be very, very proud of. The tramp stamp for me, unfortunately, is uh, Mitchell Trubisky. And, 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 and while I hear you guys and I applaud that Ryan Pace went up and got his man – you know, I, I'm actually playing a game myself, and I'd love you and your listeners to to play this and send me their 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 re mock draft, post draft mock draft. Who would you have selected with no trades? Who would you have selected at three, at thirty six, and so forth? So that way, in two or three years, we can go back and see who were the guys that you would have picked, and and did they pan out in the NFL? And and that just a, a fun game. I would have gone with Jamal Adams uh, at, at number three, as I've been preaching for a long, long time and then lo and behold there is Deshaun Kaiser at 36 I would have picked Deshaun Kaiser who I had on my board above Trubisky so you know I I hope I'm wrong I hope Trubisky ends up being the next Hall of Fame quarterback uh but uh I I, I'm a little skeptical right now Phil you've been pretty complimentary of most of the picks in this draft Who, who would be your tramp stamp and maybe that's maybe that's a little bit harsh but 
who's your least favorite of these guys? It's pretty hard, actually, because I really like this draft. <laughs> I might be the only one sitting on the island of pace that <laughs> likes this draft, but the tramp stamp for me, that's going to be very hard because I really think it, after for- it got past, past you know, pick 48, 50, now all of a sudden you're lumping players in together in style points. I think the tramp stamp for me will be one of my favorite guys that they picked in Eddie Jackson only in the fact that the injury concerns he comes with, you know, Ryan Pace tends to to get this unlucky ration of of injuries when it comes to players. So I guess for the purpose of the game, Lauren, put that under highlighter. I'll put Eddie Jackson as the tramp stamp. Uh for me I'm gonna, I'm gonna like the. Uh, it's very hard. I'm gonna go with my Napoleon complex and and go with Terry Cohen as my special uh, tattoo. <laughs> Just going through his tape again last night. It's just it's amazing. there is it. There is an innate ability that some runners have Emery Hunt brought out Barry Sanders name he wasn't comparing them per se but he was saying in style there is a similarity to I completely understand what he's saying but this kid doesn't stop his feet or ever go backwards he infectiously goes after contact at 5 foot 6 175 pounds I don't know how quickly he's going to become a fan favorite, but I think it's going to be very quickly. And I think that all the concerns about his school and that size, as I let off the show, my favorite player. And the reason why I am a man of the bears today, Walter Payne came from Jackson state, 205 pounds played like he was 270 pounds, that kind of sledgehammer mentality I think this young man has and the athleticism and agile just reflexes on on instantaneous cuts to make people miss is is impressive to watch. And those critics that are going to, well, yeah, NFL's much faster. I've seen many a back go into the NFL from a small school. I used Danny Woodhead. I would have given my first round pick a few years ago to get Danny Woodhead from the San Diego Chargers because that's how highly I thought he brought a specialty to the football field. This football player, to me, is an angry Danny Woodhead in the making. I just love that pick, Lauren. I I, I think I'm going to surprise a few people here, and, and really, especially Aldo Gandhi, and that my <laughs> tramp stamp in this is going to be Adam Shaheen just because – I, 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 the couple games I've watched him, I just watched a couple. I'm not seeing quite the elite process. I mean, he's got the elite size. I see that, but and he's got good hands, but I'm not. I'm not seeing him separate very well outside of the red zone. I'm not seeing him run great routes. He's 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 not a bad player by any means, but I'm not seeing this guy that's necessarily dominating on every single snap the way a guy like Cohen does for me. I think Shaheen. There's a lot of talent there. There's a lot of potential there. 
but he still looks like a project to me. He looks like a guy that is going to struggle to separate down the field, at least initially in the NFL, because I don't think he's quick. He, he's got some straight line speed. When you get him going, running down the sideline with the ball in his hands, he's going to outrun some people. But when he's running routes and stuff, he's not very explosive on his breaks. And I don't think, at least initially, that NFL linebackers and safeties are going to have a ton of trouble keeping up with him. And, and he, maybe he can get better at using his body to, to create that separation and using his, his length to be able to reach away from receivers or from defenders. But my, my initial reaction to him was not something that was super impressive the way I would think a, a top 50 pick should be at the tight end position. Not that, not that I'm disappointed with the pick per se, but I think I was, I was hoping to see a little bit more of a higher floor. And, and it was only a couple games. I haven't really, I mean, I would have, I would like to dig into a little bit more of him, but from what I've seen, I don't quite see the value right there. And I know other people have, have put him in the second round, but for me, I don't, I don't, I don't quite see it there. And then, and then my my big beautiful artistic tattoo of you know the sunset and wolves and whatever kind of bullcrap you want, that's gonna be Mitch Trubisky <laughs> for me, just because yes, you got your quarterback, you got your guy. I think he's got a decently high floor. I can see where you might see his ceiling is a little bit limited, but I don't. I, I really think he can improve his deep ball a little bit and can really, you know, take his understanding of coverage to the next level and and take his game to the next level as a part of it. But I think. At the very least, you've got uh, an Andy Dalton type, and that, that's a really a, a floor that can only get better from there. I think you have a guy that can take you to playoff games, can win playoff games if you give him a good supporting cast, and he can continue to grow and, and take his game beyond that level. I think that's just where you're starting, where a guy like Dalton, I think, is a lot closer to his ceiling. But I think Trubisky starts there and, and works up and can be can, can really be that difference maker at the position. And I think, you know, it's not... Maybe it wasn't ideal circumstances, but you had to get your quarterback, and, and I'm happy, I'm satisfied with, with that as my tattoo. I'm not going to fight you on that one. Uh, you know, you read tape really well, but uh, but I still hold hope, and and I hope that I'm wrong about Trubisky. And I hope that I'm wrong I, about Shaheen, too. And I'm not saying that Shaheen's going to be a bust by any means. I just I was hoping he would be further along, and I didn't quite see that on the games that I watched. That's all. I like I like it, Lauren. You're stepping up for your guy. He was your number two ranked quarterback. You were the only one out of all of us that had him that high. I mean, you were shuffling the deck with him. So I was all on board taking a quarterback at three. If it, if one quarterback went one, two, like they were talking, it possibly could have, then I would have been taking Mahomes because that's how I felt if it went Mahomes, Trubisky, I would have taken Watson. If <laughs> a quarterback to me was the way to go, they did it. I cannot tolerate the narrative that's out there by these national guys. The Bears have become an easy target, an easy way to gain clicks and f- followers or whatever the case may be, but it is a sad state and I can't wait and I'm only upset that it's going to take so long to get the pads on to have some a lot of people eat their words you know Matt Miller was the same guy who said Cam Newton couldn't be playing the NFL so let's be honest here of what we're analyzing and who we're listening to and and before you throw that out there that's a huge huge mark to say you couldn't even play in the NFL I've been a uh, NFL MVP, Aldo, mm-hmm. NFL MVP of the whole league. So 
that's the kind of stuff that gets overlooked because your job isn't to make picks. It's to be critical of GMs and picks. So that stuff doesn't fly on this show, and it doesn't fly in the face of me. I think we're going to be excited to see this football team being pieced together. And one other point that you made, Aldo, in pointing out Lauren Cox's point, it's, it, it, Brian Perez said it too yesterday. Based on our boy, the award-winning writer Lauren Cox, Jesus guys, <laughs> was you know there could be dysfunction between Fox and company. We wanted it, Aldo. Yeah. You and I were st- the loudest voices in the room, right. saying this guy needed to be fired, and a quarterback needed to be. St- Signed with a guy or drafted, signed, whatever you were going to do, traded for Garoppolo, whatever the move was, with a new head coach and a new feel. They didn't do it. It clearly feels as though, and I'm just saying, I'm not going to use any insiders or anything. It feels to me that there's a disconnect between Pace and Fox, and the ownership came in and wanted a quarterback or or however, Vice wanted to keep Fox. There's some three-headed monster disconnect there that's forcing the hand. So Brian, Ryan Pace did exactly what Lauren Cox said. Gave you free agency. The draft is mine. This is what you got to work with. Go make it happen. And if not, I think you're looking at a new head coach in 2018. Well, we're yeah, coming I, up that- here. On, on the one-hour mark. So, although if you had one last thought, you can get in there. But then we'll we'll let you go and, and wrap up the show here. Yeah, just r- real quickly. I think Mike Glennon and John Fox are bridge quarterbacks coaches. And I'll let you guys go. Great job. Uh, love listening to you guys. Thanks, Aldo. Very well. Thank you so much, Aldo. We love you, brother. You know, one last thing I wanted to bring up, too. You talk about Matt Mueller. And I think all these guys, even the Mel Kuypers and the Todd McShays and the Mike Max, to some extent, they're not paid to be right. You know what I mean? Their their criteria for a paycheck is not, were you right about these draft prospects? It's do people click on your stuff? Do people listen to what you say? Do they want to hear what your opinion is? And part of that is being right. They have to be right some of the time or else people aren't going to want to listen to them. But at the end of the day, Matt Miller makes his money based on whether or not you click on his big board, you click on his mock draft. And I think the same goes for Mike Mayock and Dane Brugler and other guys mm-hmm. that we respect in the industry. It's not This is not a 100% shot at Matt Miller, but... These guys in the media are paid to get your attention, to get your clicks, to get your views, and to get you to tune into their TV station to hear their opinion. They're not getting paid on whether or not they are right about these prospects. So it's always – you have to take it with a grain of salt. And I think too too often fans can – fans that, you know, you don't have time to, to watch the prospects. You know, you're busy. You just like the NFL draft on the side. They, they read these draft opinions and then take them as gospel and say, well, Matt Miller said this. Well, you know, Rob mm-hmm. Rang of CBS said this. Well, Mel Kuyper said this, so that's got to be the truth. And it's it's somebody's opinion, and that's fine. And it's fine to take that and to, to hold that and say, you know what, I, I, I know that Matt Miller thinks this way about this prospect, and I know that Mel Kuyper thinks this way about that prospect, but that's not what that's not f- the fact. That is one person's draft opinion, one person who's not really held accountable for in, much, in, in many ways for their draft opinion, whereas Ryan Pace is held very accountable for his draft opinion, and all these scouts are held very accountable for their draft opinion. So people who are held accountable took Adam Shaheen with, was it the 45th pick in this draft? And people yep. that aren't held accountable say that's a reach. So I'm going to, I'm just, those are, those are the facts. And 
if you wanna if you wanna believe the guys to say that's a reach, that's fine. If if that wants to be your opinion, that's totally fine. Everyone has their right to to think how they want to about these draft picks. But I think it's worth giving them time. And I, we're all, that's all we've been saying is don't grade the, don't grade these guys the day after they're put on the team before they've taken a single snap. They always say like everyone in the media will say, well, it takes three years to grade a draft class, and then we'll we'll then proceed to grade the graph to grade <laughs> the draft class one day after. Grade so the picks. let's give them three years. And and see how they do because none of these guys have done anything to earn a grade in any direction, in my opinion, until they see the field. But that's gonna that's gonna wrap it up here, Phil. Any last thoughts before we before we end the show? Do, do you wanna do you wanna do you wanna preview what's what's to come on Bears Hour Live this week, perhaps? Yeah, we're gonna take Mitchell Trubisky, start it off. We're gonna go down the board. We're gonna put each and every prospect in the Bears Hour Live film room. If you're not a subscriber to BearsHourLive.com on uh, YouTube, please go over there, BearsHourLive.com backslash C backslash, and then what is it, Lord? Forward slash YouTube.com slash C slash BearsHourLive. All our accounts are linked on our BearsHourLive.com, so you can always find everything there. That's kind of like our... Our central hub for that. But, yeah, we'll go through Trubisky and then Shaheen and then Jackson Cohen and, and Jordan Morgan. And I think we'll probably – it might we might switch up our schedule a little bit because I don't want to necessarily wait five weeks to get to Jordan Morgan. Right, so we'll right. put out Trubisky probably this Wednesday and then maybe Shaheen by the end of the week or maybe early next week and kind of get these guys out a little bit quicker than that and maybe get to some undrafted free agents. I know we didn't even talk about them. Phil, real quick, you've seen the list of undrafted free agents. One guy on there that has the best chance to make the roster. I like Tanner. Um, God, I just lost his last name in my head. Gentry? Tanner Gentry, yes. The kid from Wyoming. Wide receiver. You know, I, studied, I studied a lot of tape on Josh Allen, as you know. Huge fan of that football player. And, and watching him, one kid continuously pops off the tape. Reminded me of Wayne Corbett when I played with him at Hofstra. Getting open, catching the football, skying throwing his body around the football field to get first downs, making big plays, just continually being a hands catcher. He's someone you're going to keep an eye on when it comes to training camp from me, Lauren. you have anyone? Yeah, I mean, maybe it's the gimme, but I'm going to go with uh, Rashad Coward from uh, Old Dominion. Big <laughs> nose tackle prospect. And, you know, Who's the name of the big, fat nose tackle they got a couple years ago that everyone thought might, might stick the on the roster? Swamp Monster. What was his name? The Swamp. The Swamp Monster. Yeah, do you remember his name? Oh, I can't remember his was name. Was he a TCU though. guy, like Fabulage? I don't remember. No, but no I, I he think... was from East Carolina. Oh, that's right. I knew Pirates. Purple. Ah. He was from the Pirates. Yeah, well, you know Where who we're talking Shane about. Shane Marsaw when you need him. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure we'll get the text <laughs> in the DM after the show's done. But uh, <laughs> Coward, I think, I mean, he's not nearly that size, but he can be that guy this year, the, the guy that... Big, strong. Little, he's quick for his size too. I think he can get in, and and you can even put, play him as some five technique too. He can he can set the edge and, and be strong against the run. I don't know if he's all that refined as a pass rusher per se. I mean, he's an undrafted free agent for a reason, but he can fit in this scheme. And the Bears are a little bit thin on the defensive line. I think he's a guy that could could potentially sneak in on the on the bottom of the final roster. Um, and I think um, that's going to have to wrap it up here for Bears Hour Live. I want to thank everyone for listening. As always, we do this for you, and we're, we're glad you join us on a Sunday afternoon for some Bears football. So with that, I'd like to thank everyone for listening to this edition of Bears Hour Live. Come on.